hold on, I just realized my headphones aren't. We added two showers and lo and behold, two of our coaches started to regularly have sex in the shower during the morning classes. <laughs> set up automations that help us educate our members. Hello and welcome to Gym World Worldwide. I am your host, John Franklin, joined with my other host and life partner, Mateo Lopez. And today we have a very special guest for you. We have Dane McCarthy, the program founder of Thick Necks Cash Checks. Dane, <laughs> what is the secret to a girthy robust neck i think a girthy neck is correlated with with thighs i think you see a man with with big neck you know he's got big thighs so one one comes i don't know which one comes first but i think that they're correlated is that the golden ratio the 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 neck to thigh ratio you know it's it's funny when i i played rugby growing up and all they wanted were from us was big thighs and massive necks. So we used to do these exercises where we would just be constantly working on our necks. And it became really, really unfortunate when we had to move into corporate, you know, and suddenly you can't get anything around your neck, no pants come in. <laughs> we used to have this tailor who used to just sit outside the front of a lot of the banks where we were working and they knew the rugby guys would go through there. And um, they would just sew inseam um, saddles into our pants because we all had such big bums and thighs that we could, we were just ripping our pants to pieces. <laughs> so you probably don't have any back injuries. You're probably not dealing with like a 11 millimeter herniation like I am right now. You know? No, I'm sorry to hear that. No, I've, ne I've never had a back injury. Just a, a big bum and thighs will keep that away. You heard it here. Thick thighs, big bum, big neck. That's what, that's how, that's how you keep the doctor away. Um, we kind of fooled you, Jim world. We're not actually talking about neck training today. Well, maybe we are. You know, it's everyone's favorite topic. But uh, Dane actually owns a a gym, a series of gyms now, correct? Called uh, multiple, multiple, as some would say, uh, called West Village Athletics. And one of the reasons we wanted to have Dane on is because they train in a very unique style. So. Um, before we get into it, Dane, you explain what West Village Athletics is. I want to share a clip that was in Mateo's favorite newspaper today, um, the New York Times. Have you moved away from organized newspaper. religion in your life? If so, you're not alone. One of the biggest social changes of the past 50 years is Americans are moving away from organized religion. It went from about 2% in 1950 to 20 to 30% of people who say that they are nuns today, which means they have no particular religion. I'm Jess Gross. I am an opinion writer for the New York Times, and I did a five-part series about how Americans are moving away from organized religion. The last part of the series was about the one thing that is tough to read create outside typical churches and temples, and that is community. And I started hearing from readers after that article published about ways in which they were creating communities. And one of the biggest ways was through group fitness, classes like SoulCycle and CrossFit, and then also less organized, but still group-oriented hiking classes. So I talked to a bunch of these readers and they told me really beautiful stories of connection and support. So for example, one woman I spoke to in Colorado told me about when her husband was diagnosed with cancer and the people in their hiking group brought them food and organized a meal train and took her husband on the long trips to and from the hospital. And it really touched my heart. Um, there is 
is some psychological research that shows moving together, which is called synchrony, opens you up to social connection and friendship. Um, I would love to hear from you about ways in which you're creating communities and whether you're finding that group fitness fills this role in your life. So one way we we created communities in our gyms was that after a long time, we were trying to, uh, you know, add things to the gym, compete with the luxury facilities that were popping up all over. So showers was a big demand from especially the morning people. And so John painstakingly went through all the permitting, the construction, and we added two showers. And lo and behold, two of our coaches started to regularly have sex in the shower during the morning classes. And it's true that uh, investing in your gym does invest in your community and open up new ways of connecting and filling that void that church just isn't filling for people anymore. So yeah, I think that's great. I think she's on the money there. So that aside, uh, Dane, I thought that was kind of a layup for you because the reason we want to have you on is, is you're you're taking the group model, you're doing it in a relatively unique way. So explain what like West Village Athletic actually is and what actually makes it special. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Great layup. I, I do appreciate that. Um, so at, we have our parent company, which is the Athletic Clubs, and then we have three um, clubs underneath that at the moment, West Village Athletic, Greenwich Village Athletic, and Williamsburg Athletic. Um, and what's different about our clubs is that when a member joins, they join a training squad. They train with the same people at a set time um, with a dedicated coach twice a week. So for us, our structure and format is deliberately focused on creating organic connections between people who have similar interests. Um, so that's kind of the high level. I, I can go take that in any any which direction. Um, so I'll, I'll let you kind of go from there. Well, yeah, I, I am curious too, because there are quite a few semi-private uh, or small group personal training gyms, I should say, that uh, we work with who, who do run cohorts um, or people in set times. Um, so I guess how how does your uh, how does your model differ or how how are you making the kind of cohort set group um, atmosphere unique for your communities? Yeah, look, I think and, and you can tell me you guys know the gym world a lot better than I do. But um, what we haven't seen another gym in, in our area that is same people, same time. They may have you know, four people who regularly attend at 5 a.m. or they may be able only to attend a number of different classes. But what's really different about us is that you, you are assigned a squad and you train with those same people every week. You can't train at any other time. You know, there's no flexibility in, in your schedule. And that's, and that's because we really value routine and we think that in order to develop those connections between people, you need consistency. So if you have a cohort that can train at three different times in the morning, there's, there's a high chance they're not going to get to know each other. But if they are Tuesday, Thursday, 7 a.m. every week, they're going to get to know each other pretty well. And how are you pitching that in the sales uh, consultation? Because I met in New York, you know, people are busy. People need flexibility. People got to move around. People got to meetings. They got to move and change. How are you how are you making this? Uh, how are you making this in the sales pitch? Yeah, I mean, I, I got to call out Kilo at some point. We can go really, really deep on what a super user we are. In fact, this whole this forty five minutes could just be a, a running ad because we are massive fans. Um, <laughs> but we, we're very transparent and upfront. So we, we run our our sales cycle starts with with paid ads um, and then gets uh, 
prospects onto a call, a virtual call with one of our um, coaches. That whole time, right, we're educating them what we are and what we're not, you know, so we're trying to get as qualified leads as possible. So we're starting to, we're appealing to people who are looking for community, routine and consistency. We're not appealing to a guy who's 42, who's been training his whole life, who wants to, you know, train in, in a beautiful space underneath his work. You know, that's not us. So we're, we've noticed that we're starting to get really good at, at targeting, you know, people who are looking for our service. And then we're very transparent on the front end. So we say, hey, we're not an amenities gym. You know, if you want to cold plunge and you want all that kind of stuff, like Equinox down the road, excellent, we would recommend it. If you're looking for uber convenience and you're wanting to jump around and you want to be able to train seven different times um, across the week because you're a consultant and you're traveling, again, that's not us. But if you're looking for a way to habitualize your training, you know, make it so much a part of your your lifestyle that it's just get up, put your clothes on and go to your, your, your squad. And if you're looking for um, coaches and a fellow members who are, who are really bought into your journey, fitness journey, then that's us. You know, that's when you should come to us. And so we, we're really taking those negatives that people would throw at us. You know, I want convenience. I want flexibility. And we're saying, sure. Our argument is in to, to develop a really good fitness routine. It, you need the opposite. You do not need a thousand choices. You do not need every different type of gym equipment. What you need is a, is a supportive community. We've talked to a lot of successful gym owners on the show. Most of them tell us, hey, target moms, people over 40, I want them to get fitter and happier and healthier. Um, when I look at the marketing and uh, uh, you're one of the only gyms that had actual like TikToks, like people posting TikToks about the gym, um, like here, uh, let, let's just pull one up so people can yeah. get a general had vibe. Some, on, on the personal as well, you had some cool little... Hey, are you walking to a workout? Come work out with me. I challenge you. I choose you. It's pretty cool stuff. Pretty cool oh, stuff. God damn. Day in the life of a dating app CEO and fitness influencer. I started off my morning early and went to the West Village Athletics. Super bougie class. You're supposed to wear all black. We all went out and got coffee afterwards. Someone even brought a birthday cake. Then after that, I got some work done and went to this great little coffee shop. This was a little more creative and design based. Then I had some confidential meetings, so I took those back at my apartment. Then I had a spare hour, so I went for a great run on the West Side Highway. This is my favorite spot to run in New York City. Then went to an amazing steakhouse with investors, got this dank burger. It even took me to a Knicks game where we watched some buzzer beaters. Then I went home, watched my favorite OBX, and made some TikToks on the couch. Just a totally existed. normal day Who for the a totally fuck normal is this guy? guy. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. Great that you got a shout out there, Dane. He's a good guy. I, I don't know him personally, but I really appreciate the shout out. <laughs> love the love shout out. Seems like a go getter. Glad he's paying you. It's amazing. Over over a hundred thousand views on that. But uh, is that yeah, right? It seems I didn't even like... know that existed. That is great. What a man. <laughs> Yeah, and as I kind of like breeze through some of them, it, it seems like, uh, you know, this is less of a replacement for church and more of a replacement or actually a supplement to Tinder. Like what percentage of your members would you say are like under 35 young professional would be inclined to have sex in the showers after, um, you know, a, a squad class? Yeah, look, I don't, I don't know. We actually have very strict rules around sleeping with people in your squad. 
um, we, we try to avoid that where we can. We, we do actively dissuade people from, from making that decision. There's more downside than there is upside for us uh, on that. For sure. Oh, 100%. A thousand percent. It only kind of works works if they get married. And even then. Well, we, it's funny. I went to a wedding, um, two weekends ago and the ACs, the athletic clubs, West Village athletic got called out three times. And there is another couple that did meet in squad that I think are very close to getting married. So if you want to take it that way, yeah, I'm sure there is definitely people meeting within the club without a doubt. The sex and showers, it's a pretty small shower. So they'll hopefully be doing their mobility and flexibility because it would have been tough. I mean, let's look at the shirtless pick that happened in that class again. Look at yeah. that. It's yeah. almost a one-one ratio and not, hold on, one dude, I'm assuming it's a coach, is wearing a tank top and then everybody else is just shirtless. Yeah, that's Whaley. Mm. That's, that's, I know that's called, they're, they're called Whaley. Um, they are fit as fiddles. What, what we've noticed, th- these guys have been training with us for about 18 months. So not they all weren't in that in condition um, before training, but they are certainly now. Um, we, we benefit from a lot of um, uh, former athletes, you know, who played college sport, who really get after it. They're looking for what we're providing, you know, similar to myself. That, that's how we started the gyms. Um, and so you do get a lot of people <laughs> ridiculously fit and almost unrealistic. Because I would say you probably venture more into like the boutique scene, right? Like the type of person who's going to West Village Athletics is probably like a Soul Cycle, Equinox, Fitting Room. Those are the the options that um, they're probably weighing, right? Less so than like a, a your standard CrossFit gym, right? Yeah, that's right. I think we definitely we do we do wade into that that area. Uh, I'll be interested to see what Williamsburg athletic turns, turns out. We've been running outdoor classes there all summer. We're really excited about that as a, as a space for our gyms. Um, and then Greenwich village athletic is, is a little different, right? That's not West village where like West village, you've got a concentration of highly, highly paid young professionals, right? So they do gravitate. We, we, we do skew um, to that demographic for sure. Greenwich village athletic similar but we get some younger folk as well who are coming from like east village who are just starting their careers um and and some folks through there so we're hoping that the the model isn't exclusive to whaley that group uh but we don't know yet we're still growing so what i like about this squad thing aside from it it's naturally building communities the other thing is you, you kind of avoid the largest problem of running a group training facility in manhattan which is um, space. So for us, we were doing CrossFit and we sold a lot of unlimited memberships. And then everybody, we built a strong community. But the downside of that is we had, you know, a, a large percentage of the membership base that was coming in four or five, six, seven times a week and hanging out in the gym for two to three hours, which then made it very difficult to get into peak class times. And so what's nice about this is having a clear two hours per member, you probably charge and still your, you know, what's a, what's a monthly membership cost? It's one ninety five. One ninety five. So that's a de- that works out to a probably decent per class, right? What is that? Uh, 200 divided by eight. So 25 bucks a session. Yeah. And then they also have access to drop in classes on the weekend. So they've got their dedicated two sessions during the week. And then on the weekend, they can select from a range of different classes, strength focused stuff. Um, We got some yoga and Pilates, that kind of stuff. So if you were to do 
three, four sessions a week, yeah, it's, it's below $20. So we're, we're really well priced, which is why I was hesitant to say that we're in the boutique space like Equinox. Like we're not asking people for 300, 350 bucks a month. Like we are, we're still very well priced. So, so for the original space, how big is it? Like uh, you have three now, what, what's kind of the, the footprint for one of these? Yeah, we, we try to keep it below 2000 square feet. Um, and, and that's going to be our growth plan as well. So uh, 1,200 square feet is, we- is West Village and not all of that's usable. It's a small space. Um, and what do you cap out at member-wise? Yeah, we, we've deliberately capped West Village Athletic, which is our, as our first brand. Um, we've, we've capped that at 400 members or, or, or um, because we, del- we don't want it to be transactional. We don't want people kind of flowing in and out of there constantly. People don't know who, who each other are. So we've actually capped West Village, where no more people can join unless someone drops out from a squad, and then we replace them. Um, Wait, so you have you have four hundred people working out of twelve hundred square feet? Correct. Yeah, my hero. Yeah, that's <laughs> wow. massive. Wow. Wow. And are they all paying two hundred a month? We have one price membership. We don't do drop ins. You, you pay one price. That, that's all we what we do. Mm, you got to get that outer banks guy talking about kilo tail. Wow. Over. Oh my God. Uh, so that's, that's incredible. That's uh that's really space efficient. So what do you, what do you, what do you cap the squads at? So squads capped at 20. You said 20? We Sorry. See, no. Yeah. COVID we, we see, yeah. No, no, good. Uh, we, we, uh, we see about 16 is our general, like how many people are actually in the class. People are traveling, they're sick, whatever. So it's about, it's about 15, 16 people in, in the space. Um, like I said, pe- people aren't tr- joining the athletic clubs because they want 12 rigs to be able to do muscle ups and handstands against a wall. You, you know what I mean? Like we're getting, we're getting people who are interested in working out in a team dynamic. They're, so they're selecting us for the squads. So for us to go and over-invest in equipment or space wouldn't really be serving the need that, that, that we're working towards. And can you give the breakdown? Because you, you your your services are a bit. Uh, there's like it's like there's there's a few of them, right? So you have the two sessions a week, and then there's also a running aspect, and there's also the weekends. So can you give people the breakdown of what you guys offer and when, and what people get access to? Yeah, definitely. So we we like I said, saying offline. So we we brought over a a coach from Melbourne, um, Jess Lay. She's incredible. She's been doing all of our programming and. What, what we're really trying to encourage our members to do is just think about training a little bit dif- differently. Like you, you probably shouldn't be going to six high intensity classes a week, <laughs> you know, because if you are, you're probably not getting the desired effect because you're just burning yourself out um, or you're just going to absolutely shoot your immune system. Like you're going to kill you. And then for our members, you know, who are investment bankers, consultants, you know, so you're going to go smash yourself in the gym doing high intensity stuff. Then you're going to go and try and work a 12 hour day. Like, so we're really trying to, to frame our experiences. Like come do your squad sessions. They're your core sessions. That's what we're going to, we're going to, we're going to push you from, from a cardio perspective. And we're going to focus on a lot of strength stuff. So that's your mixed modality strength and conditioning sessions. They're, they're your core sessions a week that you're going to get the most bang for your buck. Don't miss those. They're going to, they're going to keep you healthy and strong. On the alternative days, we really encourage steady state zone two training. And that's where we we think running is just brilliant because running you can do anywhere. It doesn't cost anything, especially for us. Our run club's free. Um, it's extremely social. It gets you outdoors. It's healthy. 
Um, and so the alternative days of your squad sessions, um, we encourage our run clubs. And then on the weekends is when you can choose to double down on whatever your focus is, right? So if you're, if you're looking to really put on some strength, strength club, right? So that's offered um, Friday and Sundays. Uh, or if you're looking to get more conditioning, you know, do our brunch burn. That's really an hour of just all out, like let, let's, just, let's just blow it out kind of thing. Um, and then Sunday we treat as a bit more of a recovery day, which is focused on um, mobility, strength, uh, sorry, mobility, stretching, core. So that's where we do our Pilates and yoga. And um, what do you guys do in the winter? What do you guys do in February? We have runners. Yeah, we have runners. Yeah, we do. We definitely, we definitely do get runners. It, it, it dies down a lot. Uh, you know, we're not getting 80 people running down the West Side Highway, but we're getting 15, 20. Um, you know, and, and I, I, I felt like being an Australian, I was shocked. I was like, I can't believe psychos are running in this. And now I'm one of those psychos because – the, you, you can get the kit, you know, you can put gloves on, you can go running and you still get the same effects. You know, you're outdoors, you see the sun, grab a coffee with some mates, Bob's your uncle, you know, it's, it's still the, it's still the right formula. We got a TikTok of the run club. Don't worry. Let's, uh, let's take a look here. Roll the footage. At 11 PM last night, my friend texted me saying 7 AM run club. See you there. And I've since discovered that my red flag when it comes to a run club is if they ask you for training for a marathon, because I need one that's going to ask me if I'm running one kilometer or two. And this is me dead. That was the whole thing. It. it was just a bunch of skinny 30, 25 to 30 year olds just running through. But I like that. Um, we had Anthony Venar. Uh, is it Venar or Venari? How do, how do you say Venari. it? Yeah. Venari. We had Anthony Venari. He's the guy who writes the Fit Insider newsletter. And one of the things that he was saying that's trend that he's excited for is this idea of um, like group fitness outside, like people who make these curated experiences in the wild outside the gym because people are inside all day, they're alone all day. And if you're someone who can create community both outside with other people, um, that's like something that that Gen Z wants very badly in a way that um, us, uh, you know, us uh, olds. Us, us old, us old, old people don't. And uh, I thought the run club was great. Again, from a space efficiency standpoint, you can you can run a gazillion people through there to like a vibe thing. Like there's people spreading bad advice in the CrossFit community, telling gyms like the most important metric that you can track is the amount of times people come to your gym. You want everybody in there like five times a week, which is like not smart. Like the, you know a a 50 year old dude doesn't have, like, if you're saying you want to target 50 year old dudes, a 50 year old dude shouldn't be doing high, like you said, high intensity exercise five times a week. So unless you have some type of recovery class or offer zone two, which, you know, I'm, I'm assuming most uh, CrossFit gyms don't like, that's just like not good advice. Like, and so having, uh, having something like this where you can switch it up and then uh, having, you know, protecting your space efficiency, makes a lot of sense to me. But my understanding is the run club was not by design. It was, uh, forced, correct? Well, I mean, none of this was by design. The, the backstory is that I, I came over, um, work from corporate. So I got transferred over with, with work from Australia. I was playing rugby up at New York athletic club. And when COVID hit, um, suddenly lost that community completely, you know, and none of the gyms were open. And so me and a couple of guys that I was playing rugby with, we just started doing outdoor sessions. We hired a coach. I'm not a PT or have no kind of the accreditation. So I want to be very clear with that, that some of the folks that are listening probably listen to be like, who's this idiot? You know, he you got what he's the talking neck. About. What else you need? You got the neck, <laughs> so you got the, the thighs. What yeah. That, yeah. He's got the neck and the thighs and the bum. That's it. So we, we just started training outdoors. We, we asked a guy to come and train us. We paid him. 
Um, and that's how the squads were developed because we were just really emulating what we were doing at rugby. Tuesday, Thursdays on the pitch. Fridays, you'd, you'd go for a long run or you'd actually play a game of rugby. So that's all we were doing. Um, people started walking past us and getting more and more interested. Like, can we join what you guys are doing? And it was kind of like, no, like it's just me and my mates training out together. Like we're, we're, this isn't, you know, um, something open to the, to the public. But we got so much interest in people wanting to join that we decided to set up um, some other squads outdoors for mostly Americans. We were expats who wanted to do the same thing. We assigned them a coach. We let them run autonomously. Didn't really put too much thought or effort into it. Um, and, then, and then it grew from there. So we were always outdoors. For the first six months, we were all outdoors. And the run club was, was just what we did on the alternative days that we were training outdoors. Um, so the run club and the outdoor workouts are a big component of it. In fact, our, part of our pre-launch strategy is that we send this big Mercedes van out to locations that we, we want to start and we run outdoor classes. Um, we pull equipment out, um, we develop a community there and then we start membership there. And so we can get real you know, kind of um, confidence that people would pay for the service in that area. Then once we have X amount of members um, to feel comfortable, we'll go and sign a, a 10 year lease. That's how we started Williamsburg Athletic. Wow. So you send in a guerrilla squad to infiltrate an area you want to infiltrate, you want to take over and uh, you get demand and membership sold that way. And then you open. It's amazing. It's incredible. Um, I wanted to ask about, I want to go back to the community thing. Uh, before we go back to that, I want to ask about your full-time job. Do you still have a full-time job? I do still have a full-time job. Yes. So how do you manage two, almost three or two soon to be three locations and also a full-time job and also 400 members per location? How do you, how do you handle that all? Yeah, I think I've been, it's kind of, it's been lucky that I was never a full-time fitness professional because I, I straight away, like from day one, realized that I needed people better qualified than me to run this thing. So that first coach was incredible. Um, shout out to, to Anthony. Um, and then since then, I've just been layering in people who are just so much better than me at every single role. So I mentioned Jess, she's an incredible coach. We've got Mac, Mackenzie Johnson, he's our... GM, the guy's brilliant, you know, so in fact, the larger and larger we get, the easier and easier my role is becoming. The first 75 members was bloody difficult, you know, because I'm sitting there on WhatsApp taking payments, you know what I mean? Like we're doing Venmos and all that. That was a nightmare, right? But the further and further we get and the more and more sophisticated we get, the easier it's becoming. Um, and I've always had to maintain my full-time job. I, I love my job. So that's always taken, taken precedence. Um, for me and so we've just hired really well and, and they have been very lucky in who we've had come along so what is the like kind of structure what how how many like what does it take to staff a location is it the same kind of structure for each one what are the roles and responsibilities how does it all break down yeah i got i got a lot from um your one of your podcasts with the aloe guy um we're really similar we have a, a gm uh, at the space and we have a customer success person who lives in kilo um, and we then have contracted coaches who are really training up to become full-time staff. We only, we, our goal is to have as m many of our staff be full-time salaried as possible. So each space has, yeah, two salaried employees, um, with some contractors that support their days off or, you know, the, the shifts they can't get to all that kind of thing. And so I saw back in July, um, you guys raised a little bit of coin, uh, looks like, 
you put a, you put together some some money in the actual like press release. It was saying the communal benefits of working out with friends, doing something hard while encouraging one another, pays dividends beyond exercising. A recent study observed that people who work out with friends had a twelve percent improvement of mental health, twenty four percent improvement in physical well being, and a twenty six percent improvement in emotional well being, as well as twenty six percent lower stress compared to people who train alone or with a group of strangers. So nice little pitch for the communal aspect there, but is the idea you're just going to open a million of these or uh, colonize New York? What's, what's, the, what's the grand plan here? Yeah, I think this is my great time for my obligatory shout out to Anne Malum. If you don't know her, she is the most underrated fitness entrepreneur there is. Like she grew solid core to more studios than Barry's. She exited it at a significantly larger multiple than any of those boutiques. And she is an operator. Like she knows how to run boutique fitness. It shocks me that she doesn't get talked about more. Like she's an absolute weapon. Um, I cold called her. on the pod. Yeah, you should. You you really should. I I mean, I cold called her a couple of times, ended up getting on a call with her um, and, and pitched the ACs. And she's been just such an incredible mentor to us for a long time and 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 that that investment that she made um is while always helpful to have more cash right it helps us when we're securing leases and all that kind of stuff wasn't really necessary we are cash flow positive we we are trying to bootstrap by growth um it it really was i think um an investment in our approach and an endorsement of our approach more than it was you know cash needed this was uh also happened to be one month after this article came out that said she sold her company for $88.4 million, which is nice. So was that the initial... How did you find out about her to begin with? I had a couple of our coaches um, were also working at SolidCore, uh, and that kind of piqued my interest. She, she's got a super interesting background. She started a, a non-for-profit um, before she started the gyms, and I had done the same in Australia. I have a non-profit back home. So I just wanted to inter- was just interested in learning about her journey. That's how kind of it happened. So that's that's how I met her. She's got some money in uh, Ice Barrel too. It yeah, looks she like does. So she, Ice Barrel. Yeah, yeah. She's uh, she's on that cold train. So so the 150k from her is just to you just want access, I guess. Is is it just more of like a maintaining the relationship play? It's an, it's a marketing play. It's just you want to continue to be mentored. It's or all of the above. Because you say you didn't need the cash, right? I mean, it's, 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 I mean, it definitely can speed up our growth. You know, like that's why I haven't gone and like raised equity. Um, that was a debt deal, um, so I have deliberately not gone and raised equity or anything like that because we're still figuring out our models. You know, and I, I want to be really humble here. Like the people who've been on your show um, before me have developed incredible gyms and making a buttload of money. We're not there, you know, and we are still very much working working this all out, figuring our systems, our flows, all that stuff. So um, we're not looking to like get a huge cash injection, put this thing on steroids and then just blow ourselves up. <laughs> you know, like So this felt like a, a nice way to get a little bit more cash, pull forward our growth just slightly so that we can, we can really um, test out our prototype. So West Village was the prototype. We represented, we, we replicated with Greenwich Village. Now we're really wanting to do it with some real discipline around our spend. Do you know what I mean? So like, can we replicate 2,000 square feet? Can we replicate the same type of build out? Can we replicate the coaches and how we hire 
Um, and so just as a really clean way of going, all right, if someone were to invest 150000 what could we do with it and how long will it take us to get the payback and the return to investors and all that kind of stuff. So it, it really is a training run, um, so to speak, before um, we potentially go and raise money or if we, or just a helpful data point for money that we use ourselves. I mean, in New York, 150 grand gets you like some showers and some med balls. I was like, going to say. <laughs> you're not getting really <laughs> yeah. far. That's like, you know, you barely get a security deposit. Is your stuff on ground floor or are you in basements? Yes, yeah, so we, we're in basement at West Village Athletic. Uh, we're in basement at Williamsburg Athletic, which flooded a week after. I was just about to ask about the rain. Sick, yeah. sick. I was on Anne's, um, on her podcast recently, and she took this clip where I'm going, you don't need a plan. You know, you just need a rip in, just start. You don't need an MBA. Like, <laughs> I, I listen to that part. <laughs> you so, don't need a pitch deck. You don't need a pitch deck. You don't need a swan America's amazing. The yeah. internet. Exactly, exactly. And then I fast forward a week later. It. <laughs> fast, fast forward a week later, I'm sitting in knee deep in a flooded gym. My friends at this wedding just thought it was so funny, who are all MBAs and nerds. We're all like, oh, nice plan, Dane, that you have there for your gym. You know, maybe you should have done a little bit of pre Work, uh, we're, in really the, we're in the the CrossFit journal for flooding. So this is all about the floor looked kind of like an infinity pool, Franklin recalled. <laughs> <laughs> I'm able to tell where the water ended and dry cement began. <laughs> yeah, so uh, oh, that's every, beautiful, John. Yeah, Didn't know that existed. Every, <laughs> everybody everybody in that, that area definitely has a, a story about flooding their gym once or twice. So don't don't feel too bad yeah. about it. That gym yeah, is still flooding today. Our, 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 yes. uh, our, the guy who bought the gym from me, he went to go get it. He's in Italy. He got engaged. And like the night he got engaged, uh, he like the gym flooded completely over. So it was just rite of passage, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad the, to hear that. The gym ruined some special li life event for you. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. I wanted to ask about, I wanted to talk a little bit about marketing and community. So, um, a lot of people, especially in the CrossFit space, you know, the thing that they really pride themselves on is the community, right? We have the best community and it's like a selling point for the gym. And John and I, for a little while, when it came to market, kind of had the opposite like approach. We were in like an opposite headspace. Like, yes, people often stay because community is amazing or the environment at the gym, right? It's an important piece when it comes to retention. But when it comes to marketing, it's kind of hard to advertise with that first. You know, um, people are typically, if they're looking for a gym, they're looking for some kind of before and after. Like, I feel like shit. I want to feel better. I look like shit. I want to look better. Like, it's usually that kind of piece that first sparks their interest into searching, right? So you want to market and capture that kind of search as it's happening uh, and speak to that kind of need. Um, but you're like, no, it's the squad. That is the thing. So... Um, how are you using the squad? Cause it's also like a different, it's like a new terminology too. You have to explain what a squad actually means. Right. So how are you taking that and using it to bring in new clients? And, and then my follow-up to that is, you know, what you said you're running, uh, you're putting money towards advertising, you know, what is the offer? How are you getting people in? Yeah, it, it is really challenging. We, we brought on full-time, uh, a, a lady, um, Michelle, who is incredible, and, and her whole job is figuring out how do you articulate what's different about us because these bot buzzwords just get diluted completely. Like 
it, it's almost a shame we can't even use community because it's just so overdone, you know. So we, we talk about what specifically we offer and people kind of can infer from that that community will be established. So traveling, uh, training twice a week with the same people, that kind of stuff. But it's, it's, a, it's a real challenge um, in explaining it and it's a really important thing that we do well because if people don't know what they're getting into, they, autom- or they go and buy off our website and join a squad, suddenly they're like, the hell, I can't train tomorrow with you. Like, or I want to come in later. Why can't I do that? Or there's another class there. Why can't I join that class? Like, so we have to be really, really careful up front and very clear and transparent up front about what we are and what we're not so that we can maintain retention, um, which is our number one metric, which we focus on the most. Um, from a sales and marketing perspective, we are super users of Keela. Uh, we love the products. Big shout out to Laura, your customer success lead. She has been so good. Um, I pester her every day that we could, I task her if we can customize our website and she always says no. Um, but she, her and her team, Nicole, I sent a text out to the, my team saying, Hey guys, I'm going with the Kilo lads. Um, anyone you want to shout out? And Mac wrote back, Tom is the goat. So I don't, I haven't dealt with Tom, Tom. but but people love Tom. So anyway, that's to say that we use Kilo to, um, set up automations that help us educate our members. Right. So a lot of people will go squad or they'll see us outdoors and they'll be like, or they're looking for a gym. They'll come to our website built by Kilo. Um, they'll fill in a form about what they're up to. And then we have a series of communication automations that are educating them the whole time. So if they don't book a call with us immediately, um, then they get a text being like, what are squads? Why do we wear black? Why, why do we train twice a week? Why do we value community? So we're just educating the whole time through those automations. The best thing about those Kilo, Kilo automations and the integration you have with Twilio is that they're back and forth. You know, so this isn't like a mind body. Hi, do you like Jim? Reply yes. You know, like it's not like that. Um, so the replies go directly to our customer success manager who is then managing the questions and flow. Um, and we're trying to get them onto a call as much as we can. If they don't buy straight off, off our website, we're getting them onto a call and that's a really important part of it. So we have 15 minute video calls set up pretty much all afternoon post work for most people. And we have a really tight um, script that our GM uses to explain the proposition. Um, it's not a sales call because um, we're not trying to close people for the sake of closing them because it actually hurts our retention score on the back end if we close for the sake of closing. Our retention stays really high if we ensure people know what they're getting into and what the benefits are of, of our solution. Uh, but we, we will actively say to people, you're a consultant, you're traveling three days a week, like this isn't for you. You know, you're going to get one class in a week. It's going to turn out to be like $40, $50 a session that you do. Like don't, don't join. And I think people appreciate that. You know, the, you brought up the wearing black and I look at your branding. One of the things we talk about a lot in both Kilo and the show is just like having a nice cohesive brand. Obviously all your stuff's like dark, but, um, you're one of the only gyms um, that I've found that has a dress code. So why don't you tell us a little bit about how that uh, that started? Yeah, we, it gets so much. This is something that gets blown up on TikTok a lot. People are like, I can't believe your gym only makes you wear black. It sounds like it's, it's sinister. Great. And almost, it's smart marketing, it, you know? It's, it, uh, yeah, it's really it is, smart. It, and it really didn't come from a market. Like it has worked, paid dividends from a marketing perspective. Um, 
but it really just came from we were training outdoors during COVID when there was a hundred different people training outdoors. And so we just said, we're black. That way you'll be able to find the group. They'll be able to find you. So, and we noticed that most people in New York wear black anyway. So it wasn't that hard for us to kind of just say. So that's how it started. It, it served its purpose. A lot of it was very eye-catching for people that they'd walk past us and see a group in all black. They would then go look at the shirts and see it was West Village and we got a lot of organic reach that way. Um, but then when we moved indoors, we had this really profound set of experiences that we were like, okay, we're indoors now. We don't need to wear the all black. And we noticed straight away the train became this like fashion parade, it, it, which to me was so <laughs> daunting. It's like for a lot of our members, this might be the first time they're stepping into a fitness kind of gym. And not only are they having to compete or think about how uncomfortable they feel in that space with the movements, now they're having to worry about are they wearing the super set from Lululemon? Are they looking really hot and attractive? Um, and so we just thought, you know, screw this. You know, we're about that genuine community. Let's um, let's just say all black. That way people don't have to overthink it when they come. Um, there's no judgment around clothing. We're removing a layer of comparison so that people can just get on with getting to know each other and, and not the labels that, that everyone's wearing. When I see this, Jim caters towards attractive people in West Village, Greenwich Village, a lot of like daddy's money. Um, like if I'm a gym owner out of uh, Kansas City, can or Kansas City, Missouri, I'm, I'm looking at this and be like, so what? So do you think this is like a model that only works in your L.A., San Francisco, Austin, Miami's of the world? Or do you think there's something from this that gym owners everywhere can take and apply to their business? Yeah, I think if you were going to apply this to your business, you'd have to do it from scratch. You know, it, it doesn't work if you were just to layer this on because what you're doing is you're putting squads in your most profitable hours, yeah, yeah, which wouldn't work for you because you can get more money from people getting a membership and not showing up. Um, so I, I don't think this is a something you can add into an existing gym. It's got to be corded to your philosophy because, you know, we had to turn down a lot of money and we still do, you know, because we don't offer that that tried and true model in the gym industry, which is pay your membership, please don't come. You know, we, we're accountable to those sessions that we deliver for those people. People are coming to those sessions every week. Uh, and so I don't I don't think it, it would necessarily work in, in some smaller towns. I think you'd have to modify it significantly. Um yeah, I think that's a short answer. I think it is probably best for major cities and cities that, and for someone who's going to do it from the scratch. Like, I mean, we've put so much infrastructure in place around ensuring these squads are successful. We have customized the hell out of Kilo, you know what I mean? And, and so that everything is pointed. We've, we've probably spent 12 months and, you know, a significant amount of special projects with your team setting up the flows that suit squads, um, we have talked with sports psychologists around how you ensure that a squad doesn't start having an interpersonal issue and then blow up completely. Um, so we've invested a lot of time and effort into figuring out squads. Uh, and so I, I honestly would not recommend it for like a CrossFit to go, now we're going to do squads because there's just too many perils. <laughs> Well, yeah, so I wanted to come back to the squads and the community aspect one more time because I was listening to your talk with Anne from Solid Core, and 
how do you draw that balance between you want to create this really tight knit training, uh, you know, group, but at the same time, you hinted at earlier in the episode, there needs to be some boundaries, right? You got to be able to fire members if they're, if they're, you know, causing issues at your gym, you got to also be able to, um, you know, well, yeah, you're like instilling these like communal family values, but it's like, we're not a family, we're a team. So how do you strike the balance and how do you, um, I guess also, uh, how do you also train your team to kind of make sure that, you know, that balance is, is kept? Yeah, it's, it's really difficult. And, and that's why I was kind of like saying, like, I don't think this is something you can just kind of willy nilly throw at the wall because it does require a lot of training of our coaches around how to deal with interpersonal issues that inevitably arrive. Um, we, we model a, a psychological theory called, um, uh, that, that was developed around group, um, dynamics in which you have this like forming, norming, storming stages. Uh, so we've kind of mapped to that. So we ensure that, you know, we set expectations really early on during the forming stage. We then normalize those expectations in the norming stage. Then when there's the storming stage, which is normally an issue, people are well um, versed in dealing with that and we can glide through that. Because if you do it wrong, and we've definitely done it wrong, you've had squads, the expectations aren't set up early around when who should show up, what's appropriate, what's not appropriate, then it starts sliding into a bit of debauchery, you know what I mean? And people are, are sleeping with each other and they're doing going out late and all that kind of stuff. Um, and those, those squads just blow up completely. Um, it's happened once or twice for us. And so we've had to be really careful not, not to let it happen again. And so at West Village, you said you're in your at capacity and all these squads, they have their own kind of like, they're, they're basically like frats, right? Like they have their own name and group dynamic and um, like, so if, if someone gets kicked out the frat, like, how do you, how do you go about refilling the place in the squad? Like if someone comes in for a consultation, you're like, you can work it Tuesday, Thursday at 9am or Tuesday, Thursday at, uh, 3pm with the wallabies or the, 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 you know, the Gatorade squad. Or houses, yeah. you know, houses as well. I mean, I guess a frat is a house, but yeah. All the squads are named after Australian beaches. Uh, actually, uh, I mean, I didn't grow up with frats and, and all that kind of stuff. So I, I don't know if there's Australia a is a frat. It's a huge <laughs> frat. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, look, I think it's about setting expectations up front, like on that first call, right? So they'll have a, they'll have their kind of introduction to what it is, you know, that I guess you call that the sales call. Then after that, very shortly after they have a call with the CSM. CSM, and we do a personality survey in between that using Kilo, right? So they do a, a short survey. We learn about them. We then get on a call with the customer success manager. Um, again, all automated through Kilo. Well done, lads. Uh, and that then is where we kind of set those expectations. Like, cool, these are your sessions. These are what's available to you. Um, people come and go from the squads, you know, so if that happens, it's not a big deal. Things aren't blowing up. It's just, you know, it's the natural ebbs and flows of the city. And so if people do leave, we just remove them from the WhatsApp group and, and we carry on and we bring someone in off the wait list. Um, so I'm not sure if that answered your question, but it's, it's, it's actually a lot less friction than, than you would think. So the answer is basically like a spot opens up and you hit up your wait list. And if someone can take that spot, they, they, they respond. 
And people select squads based on a time that works for them to train. That's all it is. You know, it's not like a fitness level. It's not like a anything like that. It, it, we have such a mixed variety of fitness abilities in there. I think the people who get up and do selfies on in the mirror, they're genuinely pretty fit, you know? So it, you, you see that a lot more social media happens for people who are f- really fit because they're pretty happy with their bodies. But you've got people who are brand new to fitness in those squads as well. If it works for their, their work schedule, they're all in the same squad. I can see how this would work so well in New York. Like New Yorkers love waiting in line for stuff. So you've actually figured out a way to wait in line for fitness and <laughs> you're going to be massively successful as long as you can just keep people waiting. As soon as the wait list is gone, you're dead. You're finished. <laughs> Seriously. So, so how big is that wait list now? I mean, for the main, for those really, those, those hot times, you know, the 6 a.m., the 6.45s, the 6.30 p.m.s, the 7 p.m.s, they're big. Yeah, like a West Village Athletic, we've been there for three years. Yeah, 20 to, no, geez, wow. Some of them could be nearly 70 people waiting on lists for those morning squads. That's incredible. Um, And so how much are you, uh, how much do you guys spend on ads? I guess what's the percentage of like these organic posts, your kind of Instagram uh, presence, and then I guess the paid the paid outreach? Yeah, I mean, we, we started purely organic. Um, word of mouth, it was just friends of friends. It was the expat community. Uh, and then we started running ads because we wanted to really target people who are interested in our offering. So the organic stuff's great. Like that, that young fella who's posted and we've got a hundred views, that's awesome. But how many of those live in New York? How many of those who live in New York live within walking distance of our gym? And how many of those are interested in training at the same time with the same people twice a week? I'd say very little. Whereas ads allow us to be hyper-focused on who we're looking for, like to the point of like, what are they interested in? And did they play team sports? Do they live around us? So we find ads to be really effective because we want people who self-select into squads. That is what keeps our retention at 97% a month. That's what makes the dynamic of the squads really special um, because all the people there want to be there. And the only way we could do that was with ads. So we're spending a good amount, nothing like the Fort or anything like that who have really just figured out the formula, you know, like those guys have nailed it. You know, they're getting people to pre-commit for six months. They're loading the fees up. They're making buttloads of cash. We certainly don't have a machine like that, but we do use ads because it's the most effective way of getting the people we want in the gym. And what's that? What's the offer on the ads? Like what are you, when you're getting them on the sales call, are you just bringing them in for a free intro? Is it a trial period? What is it that you're actually, or, or after the phone call, it's just now you're signed up for the 199 and we're good to go. Like, how do you onboard someone? We don't do free trials. We don't do any of that nonsense. Like we, we live for, for our demographic, which are millennials and, and Gen Zs. They know how to research a, a company. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if they're interested in Instagram, in, on us, in us, they'll be following us on Instagram. They'll know all the people who go to our gym and they'll be following their TikToks. You know, so they're going to be pretty educated by the time they get to us. So me throwing out a cheesy, hey, we're looking for 16 people to do a squad. Like it doesn't, it doesn't really translate. That said, by nature of our model, we have inbuilt scarcity and we have inbuilt urgency, which is authentic. Uh, 
which from a sales perspective, and I've been in sales for 10 years in my corporate job, you know, that, that's, that's the dream dynamic, you know, because you've got people, okay, there's a squad that's just opened, the spots are filling really quickly and it's launching on the 16th, you know, so that's, that's the offer. Yeah, you know, it's not, it's not about trying to offer a discount or anything like that. It's like, hey, we've got these spots. If you want to join, um, you got to, you got to get going quickly. Yeah, it, this has like that it factor. It's cool. And the reason it's easy, I'd imagine it's easier for you to sell is because it is cool. And so my kind of outside looking in, it's like, does this become less cool if there are a hundred of them? Yeah. And, and I, I think that's why we're deliberately keeping our, the naming convention is the neighborhood followed by athletic. And I think we become, we become really strategic about the neighborhoods. Uh, and then we make that the focus, you know, so people identify with their neighborhood and wanting to be part of that, that community. Um, while I think it does have that cool factor, I think the all black definitely helps. I don't think we're trying to differentiate on being like, trendy cool new yorkers you know like that's that's definitely not us that's not me you know that is we don't we don't use influencers for that reason right because that's not what we're looking for we're looking for people who want to train in a group and rip in together and genuinely that's not influencers that's not trendy people you know that's not people going to the coolest clubs and the coolest nightclubs and stuff it's just good down-to-earth folks you know that's what we're looking for so well, I appreciate you saying it's the cool factor. I, I don't know how many of our members would, you know, identify as being trendy, cool people. I think they're more just good people who work hard and, and want to train out as well. I literally, last night I was, I was prepping for this and I literally went to my wife. I was like, it's just cooler in New York. Literally just looking at your gym and your Instagram. I was like, it's just cooler there. And so, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you do it, but yeah, you are, it is cool. I don't know if it, it sounds like you're saying it's not on purpose, but it is definitely cool. Oh, that's, I'm glad to hear. Uh, I'm glad that being authentic around community is is being perceived that well, way right? because yeah, when it's, so, like I know some of the gyms like really try and do like there's a great gym here S10 run by Australians, and that guy has nailed cool. Like he's super exclusive. He gets like models in and NFL players. Like to me, that's where I'm like, well, that's cool. You know, they're really focusing on being the the trendy gym, like. We're not. We're the we're the twenty seven to thirty five year old who's killing themselves at work. You know what I mean? Is probably struggling to manage work and social and staying in fit. So we're combining two of them for them and saying, "Come along and get to get a group of people to hang out with and, and train hard." Oh yeah, these guys have uh, these guys have been around for a while, right? The S ten guys. S10. Yeah, yeah. I remember they were they were operating when we were operating. Well, I think you have to, there's like a balance, right? There's cool, there's, and there's profitable. Um, and, and then there's also like having an angle, right? Cause there's a lot of New York is littered, uh, is a graveyard for cool places that, uh, right. we're never able to make it work here. And so what is interesting is like, you, you kind of like stumbled upon the cool factor, but, um, like the, the, the economics really work well for what you're trying to do right like it, there's not a lot of group models where you can operate 400 people out of um 1200 square feet like i i can't think of another one like for us we were we were pretty uh we had 2800 ish usable 4200 was the the actual footprint but a lot of it was like elevated or just not training space and we got as high as around 250 
And at that point, it was like it was borderline dangerous, you know, and I think the actual like appropriate size for that space, even doing like a, a truncated version of CrossFit, you know, you couldn't do like big chippers and have three pieces of equipment in a workout like we, we were still, I don't know, tail 180 to 200 is probably the. Yeah. The, and even that bounce between those. Yeah, it was very tough. Come come the open, it was very very difficult. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I, I would say like I, I like I'm very proud of our model and our coaches and stuff, but we were also benefactors of of luck. You know, West Village itself was there was a Soul Cycle and there's some other stuff. But at the time when we came, there was no F45. There was nothing like that. The gym that we we replaced another gym, so we kind of knocked out a competitor. And in that sense, we didn't we didn't open until COVID. And so we weren't harnessed with any debt or any baggage from that. So we were able to move into a space that was pre-built, soundproofed, all the certs. Um, so, and we didn't need any equipment at the time because people weren't allowed to train with equipment. So we opened with 12 dumbbells, yeah, you know, and we did workouts in little square boxes. Um, and so we were able to kind of like do zero based accounting, you know, like what do we really, really need right now? Okay, people really want just one more dumbbell. We'll quite one more dumbbell of Amazon, <laughs> you know, and then we need a bench. Someone wants to be able to do a fly. Okay, cool. We'll get one more bench. But we certainly didn't come in being like, sweet, we're going to go get the package from Rogue for $150,000 or F45. We're like, hey, it's a $300,000 equipment package. Get started. Like we were very lucky there. And uh, were you able to get that COVID rent price? We were. We have the most incredible tenants at West Village. Uh, sorry, um, landlords at, at West Village. They are a co-op. And when we first went, in, I was cold calling the lady who owned the space before. She actually sold Lululemon to Mirror for $100 million. So she didn't really care about her brick and mortar anymore. And I was cold calling her, being like, hey, I'm this guy from Australia. We're really excited about this squad concept. And she's like, I don't care. <laughs> you know, I'm rich and I don't, don't want to talk to you. So we ended up getting through her and speak, call, calling the landlord, and they were lovely brokers. They were they they were lovely. We did it without any brokers. Um, that was just a really surprisingly pleasant experience. I was expecting to like go toe to toe with some really aggressive New York landlords, but these guys were lovely, and we came to a deal that I think worked for for them at the time. And and now that we've grown and and whatnot, it's it continues to work for them. Yeah, because you can uh, like. For those of you that aren't familiar, West Village is one of the most expensive parts of New York. And I think for ground floor, at least when we were there, it was like three to 500 a square foot, assuming you weren't on any major artery. So, you know, you could expect, you know, four or 500,000 a year in rent for like a 1200 square foot ground floor space for boutique fitness. Um, so... Yeah, if you were able to snag a COVID deal on a long-term lease, that's uh, that's going to be a huge tailwind for you coming down the, the next uh, you know ten years here. Yeah, we're, we're a basement space there, um, so we're not. So we yeah we've I've been really challenging myself and the team to like, do we need retail on a corner of a main road? You know, uh, I, I don't I don't think so. Like our ads are so effective. People are so digitally savvy now. Again, you know. We, we get what's even better. Like we don't have to rely on some random walking past this, us on the street. We get to deliver our proposition to their face from a millimeter away, you know? So I don't know if we'll ever spend money on retail level 
and corner spaces. I don't. I would challenge all the gym owners here or who are listening um, about that because I just I think if your ads are running well, if you've got an offer and a proposition, then do you need it? Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. You guys tell me. I think you're wrong. Uh, if you're like Jeff Shoemaker, Rick Mayo, you're operating in a suburb and you're trying to target moms, like being in the shopping center that the Whole Foods is in is definitely huge. Like uh, Mark Fisher comes on the the show a lot. Uh, they just opened up an alloy. They're, they're a franchisee and, you know, they, they're big, part of their biggest marketing strategy is just like hanging out in the parking lot, talking to people. Uh, in New York, I a thousand percent agree with you. And in New York, for the type of model you run, I think being on a ground floor not only will be 10 times more expensive, but also a detriment, right? Because if you're running lean, if you just got these 16 people sweating out, looking like a cult and some, you know, some family from Korea walks in and wants to know what is this and your trainer's <laughs> got to like go away and explain for 15 minutes like why they can't work out right now and explain what a squat is and put your information in kilo could be incredibly disruptive, especially for the vibe that you're trying to create. Um, and since there is so much explaining that needs to happen in order to get a new member for you, uh, yeah, you'd want, you'd want it locked away. Same thing like that. The original Fort location, it was, you walk by it three times and you wouldn't know it was there. Um, <clears throat> And that's what you want if you want to create like a training space. You don't want random people walking in and out, especially where you know you're in a you're in a high foot traffic area. So uh, I think you're pretty spot on there. It's definitely. I, I mean, I was thinking your model. You you may not even need a gym at all. Well, I mean, the the the, the effectiveness of the van. You know, sometimes we think. Yeah, on the East Coast though, like you do have this, like it comes to October and suddenly people don't want to be doing burpees on, you know, a freezing tarmac. So I think. New East Coast, definitely. Um, we are expanding to the West Coast for that, that reason. We don't know what to do with the van <laughs> when it gets really cold and we don't want to continue paying the same as what I pay in my home rent for the van <laughs> to store it somewhere. So we're sending it over to the West Coast so that we can we can continue growing there. So we asked about it before, but we'll, we'll ask you to get, again, what's, a, what's the expansion plan? You know, yeah, what's you next? Got, you got three opening up. You got you, you're going from two to three, and then what's the plan? Are you you know you got to have some type of three to five year plan, or is that have you are you still maintaining that you don't need business plans in America? You just fire, you <laughs> just so call, call and train neck. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny that, that 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 clip got taken because we do have a very very detailed plan. There's a great book. Um, I don't know if you guys have read. It's called Traction by Gino Wickman. Uh, incredible uh, we've set up our whole next 10 years just based on that model so um and and part of that is uh just continuing to grow the building in williamsburg has learned taught me a lot around construction and how much i hate it it's so scary you go and sign these long leases you then hope you've got a good landlord you then bring in a contractor you hope is not taking the piss you know and is actually going to look after you you then get a flood or you all these other things come up um, and so we're really thinking about growth by our acquisition of other gyms um, because we think we've spent so much time in developing the infrastructure around squads that we can apply that as an all-in method at a, at a new location. Um, and so if there are any gym owners out there who are looking for a fair above market um, 
exit from their gyms, we're certainly a buyer. You know, we're we're not looking for bottom basement deals or anything like that. We are genuinely looking to to strike good deals with um, people who are looking to get out of leases or get out of the, the fitness industry or have just been doing it for too long and want to try something else. Like, please reach out. We'd love to talk to you because um, uh, we're definitely a buyer. I mean, we have, da- we have data in the two brain state of the industry. We ask people every year if they'd be open to selling their gyms and it's about half that would be open to a conversation. Um, so you seem no stranger of the phone. You just, you know, one out of every two, you're, 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 you're knocking them down there. Cause you have a pretty specific search criteria, right? You're looking for basement space, 2000, like 1200 to 2000 square feet and, um, a neighborhood with that's primarily like under 35, like it seems like, uh, Murray Hill's the next spot for you. Totally. Yeah. I mean, Taylor has like space for you, you know, Taylor, did, yeah. uh, Taylor, you still got your apartment over there? Uh, <laughs> Pretty soon, no. I would just say that there is a small kilo commission for any gym sales that are made through this podcast. Just giving you the heads up. There's just a slight, a slight uh, admin fee. That that sounds fair. I mean, I think it's you think that's spend. smart, man. Like we, I, Taylor and I have talked a bunch of times before on like if we were doing it again, how we would do it, and we would definitely buy. And then build after buying. I think that's like, um, and we have opinions on how size, sweet spot, whatever, and we can go into that and uh, offline. But um, yeah, I I love the idea of taking a lot of the risk out of it and and, and buying something that you know is going to be bespoke and and work, and you can start doing applying your genius on day one rather than you know how long how long is it taking you to get this Williamsburg space open oh man like we we I spent a week in Williamsburg like just start setting it out in like March and then it wasn't until that and then that whole search time was eight months you know nearly like and then we get to we find a spot we like the landlord's like nah not for me nah we don't want to do it anymore so then I had to cold call him, you know, and then I had to take him out for lunches and then take him to the gym and really sell him. And then so all of a sudden he's got all the leverage in the negotiation, you know, because I've spent, you know, six weeks courting the bloke. So he gets a better term. I walk into this lease that floods within six weeks, <laughs> you know, so it's like, and, and I also think what's unique about our industry is there, it's selling a gym is pretty hard unless you have some pretty good revenue, um, you know, you've got really good systems and processes in place. You're not the face of the gym. Like you need to have that all established. So for people looking to sell their gyms, it's really going to be a strategic acquirer on the slower, on the smaller end. That's going to be your best bet because, you know, I know enough private equity guys who are members who look at our gym and they're like, there's nothing here for us. You know, you're too small. You're too risky. We wouldn't buy it. You, you could never use institutional money to grow. So I think it's really going to be other gyms that are looking to, to grow that it's going to be your best bet. And that's what we are. So again, if you're a gym that is looking to, to get out and looking for a, a fair price, that's, that's us. I'd love to speak to you. So what's the target? You said you're open on the West Coast. Where, where- yeah, we just want to know how many are there going to be open. We just want to know what cities and how many. That's all we want to know. What's the grand plan? Yeah, I, think I think in think, headlines, I think, I did, gym owners going to open <laughs> how many gyms? Just tell us. Yeah, I, I think every we're looking at every major city. San Francisco just 
was a no-brainer for us because it's got so many similar clientele to us. One of our members went over there to the marina and has been absolutely nailing um, the community build there through a run club. So we know that's a really attractive area. So we're looking there at the moment. We think LA would be great. Um, each could have two or three. Miami, Austin. Uh, Austin, we think, is definitely a, a really a good target. But it's all just going to take time, you know, and there's so many risks and scary things that have to happen beforehand. So... Um, we're just going one by one at the, at the moment. You should look at Jupiter, Florida. <laughs> yeah. Just because I really want to work out there. That's all. Yeah, I would love to have you there. Yeah. Yeah. I think Miami would, would be a little more the crowd that they're targeting. Definitely more the style, but you know, I can bring a little, <laughs> I can yeah. bring a little New York to uh, to the Jupiter location. You know, that's yeah. Fine. What, what are you going to name your squad? What's your favorite uh, Australian beach? Uh, You'd be Bells, I think. Bond, Bells Bondi. I want to be Bondi. Bondi's. Do you have like people? Do you have people like cry like if they don't get the squad they want? You know, it's like like the Ooh, like if they people. got Slytherin like, instead of Gryffindor. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Like I wanted Bells, but now I'm in Bondi, and Brenda's in Bondi, and she sucks. Like, does that ever it's, happen? It's so funny, like because a lot of people look at our model and like hey, that's not going to work. People are going to like hate each other and blow up and all that kind of stuff. But like, it, it, it's not the case where we're, we're later in the twenties. That's who we're targeting. So we're not looking at, we don't target 22 year olds, 23 year olds. It's 27 to 35 year olds. They're a little bit more mature. They've gone through the, 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 the roundabout of New York a couple of times. Um, they end up really identifying with their squads. And I really believe that if you just spend enough time with people and get to know their backstory enough, you're going to like them. Um, and so, Generally, people really love their squads and, and don't have any issues. How do you pit the squads against each other? Do you do squad? Are there squad battles? Are there games? Is there, is there a squad merch? tournament? We, yeah, um, we used to we used to, we used to do the a IP? Month, we used to do a monthly um, competition, and we track all attendance per squad. Um, and so we can see that gives us like a leading indicator if there's any issues with the squads. So if attendance drops, we might go, "Oh, this squad's." like losing their vibe a little bit, let's throw a dinner at them or let's go and do some fun adventure. But what we've noticed is every time we put on a competition at the end of each month, attendance would start to drop because people would start being like, oh, I don't really, it's Tuesday morning. You know, I just want to get my workout and go to work. I don't have to compete with some, you know, Div 1 athlete from, you know, Harvard, you know. so Fucking Tanner. So we stopped doing that. Um and now we just do a big AC games at the end of uh, each year. We just did it. We just did it on one of the peers and it was a cracking success because then only the people who are elect in and want to compete can and it's a great spectacle and, and it was a really good event. Yeah, I don't know. I can see maybe, Taya, you think you could, this could work in a suburb? You'd have to do it. You'd have to make it less cool. No, I think suburbs want cool things. I don't know. Well, by, by virtue of being in a suburb, it would be less cool. But yes, yeah, you're bringing the cool to them. Yeah, here's my thinking around that. Like, there's this study that I read, and it showed it was about it was at a university, and what they did is they had people at the bottom of a hill describe to the researchers how steep do you think that hill is. So people would be like, if they're by themselves, they'd look at that hill and they'd go, it's a "Pretty steep hill." You know, I, I wouldn't want to run up it. They then went and um, had a random person walk past, and they said, "Hey." can you two together tell me how steep that hill is? And together they would say it was steep, but not as steep. 
And then the final one is they'd bring someone in with their friend and they'd say, hey, how steep's that hill? And they'd say, it's pretty flat. And so just by virtue of being with someone that you like, you know, having a mate, physical exercises become significantly easier. And that's our whole proposition. So it looks like from, from our New York locations that it's about being cool and trendy, but it's, it's really not. It's about creating an environment that makes working out more fun and makes working out easier because you're with people you know and like. And so if we were going to go to smaller suburbs, that, that was where we would really lean. We'd say the idea here is that if you know and like the people you're training with, you're going to be more consistent. You're going to show up more. You're going to train harder and you're going to have more fun. And that can apply to any age group. You know, there's a lot of mums out there who are looking for another mum who's gone through childbirth and can, result, can re- relate to that other mother and then, you know, work out together. So while we're focused on the bigger cities now because we've got a channel and we've got a persona, um, I think there's a lot of room for uh, different types of squads. Sounds like franchising talk to me. <laughs> Sounds like... It's keeping the growth plan to the chest, but it sounds like franchising talk. Yeah. And going yeah, to let the me, Jupiter. Let me know where you're going for that next round of fundraising. Your boy wants to. I mean, we're, we're, uh, you guys are pretty much invested. It's the amount of money we spend on Kilo at the moment. So yeah, <laughs> there you go. There it is. <laughs> Kissing cousins. Them, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I think the West, the difference between West Village Athletic and uh, Jupiter Athletic is like the difference between CBGB and the CBGB in Newark Airport. You know, it's just like a little bit of, you know, it's the the, the pieces are there, but the vibe's a little different, you know? Yeah, I gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I gotcha. Well, Dane, this has been wonderful. We learned all about squads. We learned about community. We learned about wearing black. We got some neck training tips. Uh, where do people go if they want to learn more about you? Yeah, I would love an email from anyone. It's dane um, at athletic, uh, gr- uh, athletic Clubs Group. I don't know what it is. Let me send you a link so you guys can toss it out. We've got you probably know your own email, you know, if you want to buy some businesses. <laughs> no, we got it. It's dane at athleticclubsgroup.com. That's Use Kilo if you want that type of service. We remember your email when <laughs> yeah, you yeah. don't. Yes. Seriously, I'll, I'll plug you guys day and night. Like it is, we're going to move off my body to, onto your new thing, I think, because we're getting killed. Like my body, the transaction fees, we're getting smashed. It's the most rigid system. We just cannot do anything with it. And you're like, so one of your customer success people, I, I sent an email out on Sunday at 8 p.m. with a very bespoke question. Monday morning at 8 a.m., there was a full response, not only on like solving my problem, but how we could actually do more with it. So we built our whole virtual offering, which is our run athletic and our nutrition athletic off your software because it's so responsive and so, and the customer service is so great. Yeah. Some people will say, Hey, the, the, the price looks expensive, but you know what you get with that expensive price? You get good service. Good service costs money. You know, you want, you want that detailed response in under 12 hours. Got to pay for it. You got to pay for it. Or, you're, also or cheaper GPT. you're also cheaper than mind body. Like significant. Oh yeah. Mind body's a racket. Those guys are great. Those guys are a great anchor. So, um, kudos to them though. They were first. They deserve, they deserve to eat the biggest piece of the pie, but, um, we're, we're happy to take the scraps. Yeah. Yeah. No, it sounds like it's going great. All right. So Teo, give us the email one more time. Yeah. So if you want to sell your gym to Dane, it's Dane at athletic clubs 
Um, Dana at athletic clubs group.com plural on the club two C's in the middle there. That's how you get it. And that's it for this week's gym world worldwide. Be sure to like subscribe, leave a comment and never forget neck is part of the posterior chain. Train it religiously until next week, gym world. See you guys.